Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Valoni. I'm your host, Mary Valoni, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Welcome to episode 149. Today, I have an incredible interview for you guys, but before we jump into that, I just wanted to spend a few minutes here encouraging you. I know many of you have reached out in the last week or so, just really trying to figure out what do I do during this season. And if you haven't picked up last week's episode, I would encourage you to do that. I talked about how to fundraise during a pandemic. And you know, my number one thing that I wanted to to really get across to you is I don't want you to freeze during this time. It is really easy to just say, you know what, I don't want to be insensitive. I don't want to call on people when maybe they don't have a job. Maybe they're really struggling. But I want to also remind you that maybe they're doing really well and maybe they can give you some really great advice on what they think you should be doing during this time. And maybe you can get those people engaged in a way that they've never been engaged before because now all of a sudden we're all in this uncertain time and we're all in this together. So I want to be sure that you don't don't slow down. Don't curl up in the corner. Now is not the time for that. Now is the time to really communicate and reach out to the people that you care about, which should be your donor base, your volunteers, uh, the people that you serve in your mission, and just make sure everybody is okay. And so today's conversation, the interview that we have here today, I wanted to bring on Danielle Hawley, who is, she's the CEO of an organization called Common Impact. And her organization focuses on connecting nonprofit organizations organizations with corporations and companies, but not just connecting them together, but connecting them with that company's most valuable asset, which is their employees. And as you know, right now, these corporations have sent their employees home to work from home. Some of them are just, I mean, they're not doing the normal activities that their company would normally be doing. So maybe those companies have some some free time for their employees to maybe focus on the work that you're doing. So I want you to come into this conversation, listen to this interview today, and really be thinking about how can I engage these companies, these organizations in a new way during this new season? Instead of asking for their cash and asking for their money, what if we asked for their time? What if we asked for their resources during this season? Now, we all know that resources and and our employees, their employees' time is a much easier ask than money is. But we also know that once a volunteer, once somebody gets engaged in our organization, they are twice as likely to financially give. So if for some reason they have slowed their giving down, I want to be the first one. I want my cause to be the, the organization and the cause that they're thinking about and and top of mind as soon as they pull the trigger on giving again. Okay. And so I also want to tell you, Hey, I've been in conversations with people in the last week where I've seen five figure, six figure gifts still coming in to organizations. So people are still giving. So do not step down and don't be afraid of that. Okay. So listen into today's conversation. I hope that you'll take away a few things about how can I really engage those corporations and engage their employees to serve the work that we're doing. So we'll jump into that conversation now. 
so glad to have our guest with us today. We have Danielle Holly, and she is the CEO of Common Impact, which is an organization that designs programs for uh, that direct companies' most strategic philanthropic asset, their people, to the seemingly intractable social challenges they're best positioned to address. I love that, Danielle. It's <laughs> like, and now, it's a mouthful. Uh, yeah, it is, but um, but you have you've supported hundreds of nonprofit organizations on their positioning and branding, and you've worked with some really incredible organizations like J.P. Morgan Chase, Charles Schwab. Marriott, Fidelity. So tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you work with um, nonprofit organizations. Sure. So, and thank you for that introduction. So fun to be here. At, so the core mission behind Common Impact is to tap into the superpowers that each of us have as individuals and to channel that for social good. And the primary way that we do that is by working with companies like some of those that you mentioned and others and getting their employees into scoped pro bono skills-based volunteer projects. So the core idea came from actually the legal profession, right, where pro bono is really popular. It's a, just a part of the way that lawyers engage with clients to have a portion of their portfolio be dedicated to social impact and to serving nonprofit organizations. And we take that to the next level to make the relationships that we build between companies and their nonprofits really transformational and sticky. So not just, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'm going to give you this legal advice. And then when you have this legal advice, you're done and we part ways until you need the next legal, you have the next legal question to ask me, but more about how can we together, um, large company and small nonprofit work together to solve some of those large challenges that you mentioned as you opened. Yeah, well, when we connected, I loved that fact because I had just been working with an organization who had an experience just like this, and I saw how transformational it was for her to have, you know, somebody from that corporate side really give insight and advice and not just like you said, oh, there, here's, here's some legal advice. It's like, no, as a donor, as somebody who lives in your community or works in your space, like, I want to give you real life. Uh, real life, um, you know, things to, to make a difference for your organization. And I think that that's just absolutely profound uh, way of doing things. How did you originally get started in all of this? It was completely unintentional. And I'm so happy <laughs> that I landed here, but it was certainly not by any grand design. I graduated uh, with a journalism and a marketing degree from um, from college right after the September 11th disaster in New York. And I was headed into a career at ABC News and then the entire uh, media all, all media companies were having a complete hiring freeze blackout, so I couldn't get a job there or anywhere. Um, and I, by chance, circumstance, I landed at the New York Stock Exchange on the floor, which ended up being a very cool job in terms of giving me a completely fresh perspective, a different perspective on how the world worked, particularly at that time. And it... Uh, just a front row seat to how decisions were being made and also the power 
power that that institution had over the way that our resources are directed. And, you know, there was a seedy underbelly to it too, right? The the bad decisions that were being made, the lack of diversity of the people that were making the decisions, the lack of education those people had around the community issues that they were impacting through their decisions. And so it was a very defining period of my life, very short, um, two to three years. But I, in all of my disposable time, because you have a lot of that when you're in your early 20s. I forgot what that was like. <laughs> um, it, I was supporting nonprofits and what I would now call skills-based volunteerism. But at the time, I just thought of it as, you know, this is something that can build my resume and support organizations at the same time. I was, you know, doing their books. I was helping them with some of their financial modeling. The skills that I was using during the day, I was using um, in the kind of late afternoons, early evenings with these other nonprofit organizations. Um, Fast forward, I became really intrigued by this idea of, you know, if only the folks that were literally down the block, stock exchanging these nonprofits in totally different worlds, if only they had a day or two to spend with each other and seek mm -hmm. a day in the life, how much more effective would they be yeah. in their roles? And so uh, I was looking for an organization that was working at that and Common Impact was, you know, in its seventh year of operation, small growing nonprofit at the time. And 13 years later, here I am. Yeah. I, that is so cool that, you know, just being on the front lines and being able to see how, you know, just two groups of people don't really understand how the other one works and being able to really be a bridge to that, which I think is really beautiful. So um, tell us just, you mentioned it briefly here, but um, you mentioned skills-based volunteerism. Can you tell us what, what that means and how you guys have utilized that through Common Impact? It's the basic idea of when you are volunteering, of when you are providing service to a nonprofit, to initiative, to whatever it is that is inspiring you, at, that you're providing not just your time and your hours and your capacity, but you're, you're providing your expertise and the skills that you have that your neighbor might not. And so that's what I meant by tapping into those individual superpowers. And we all have them, right? The thing that we do really well naturally that we don't have to be trained in. And then we have the actual functional and education that we have built up over the years that is a skill that we either use in our day jobs or don't but could and that's something that we connect to nonprofit organizations that are in, in need of that skill set that functional area that experience uh, that expertise and this is and why common impact started in the first place was nonprofits are sorely underfunded in nearly every business infrastructure area you can think of, technology operations, finance, HR, talent management, strategic planning, everything that we know in the private sector is so incredibly important to growing a business, to figuring out what models are working well, what programs are working well. And when you're talking about nonprofits, you're talking about you know what services, what critical social services can scale or should scale and what's working well and what's not. So it's not about creating widgets and making more money off of those widgets, but um, a much more critical service in my mind anyway, and I'm biased, but um, you know, it, nonprofits don't have the resources to 
direct towards those critical functions. And so the idea is to use talents and skill set from uh, common impacts lenses, the um, private sector and public sector, but really from anyone um, can contribute with their skills and expertise. Yeah, you know, um, you are hitting on something that I just love, love, love. And that is, you know, really sitting in your sweet spot, sitting in that skills, you know, space where, and I talk about it often about being in your zone of genius. And, you know, we, we do, we miss out on our volunteers because we just, we're always asking for cash. And then we forget that it's like, oh my gosh, the thing that's so much better than their, than their cash is actually their skills. And once somebody gives of their skills, what do you see happens when they, when somebody doesn't, when those nonprofits don't go right for the money, but they go for the skill set? What are you seeing um, that's different? There's so much, uh, you know, there, I, there's just one is the level of engagement that you get from the individuals that are volunteering you know they're excited about the nonprofits that they're working with but there's just something very human that happens when you're giving something that is unique to what you can give right everyone can give an hour's worth of time most people can you know ladle soup at a soup kitchen or paint a fence but not everyone can build a financial model for an organization that helps them think about scale. Not everyone can launch a new website for a nonprofit. Not everyone can think about, you know, what is the HR and benefits compensation package that will allow this organization to retain its excellent workforce at a critical moment in its life. And as I tick through this, you know, none of it sounds particularly sexy, <laughs> uh, but it, and it doesn't lend itself to great pictures, right? Uh, the pictures of our programs are people in suits sitting around a table with their laptops open. But it's such incredibly powerful work, and it is game-changing work. There are a couple of examples that I just heard of this week, actually. Like, on paper, it, um, you know, it doesn't sound like the thing that is going to make you reach into your pocket and um, give of your own capital, but it, it's something that is it, truly transformational for these organizations that are involved. There was a, um, so we run a big uh, pro bono week, which was where we pulled together um, hundreds and hundreds of employees to um, hundreds of nonprofit organizations and have them work a short period of time, four to eight hours on a scoped challenge that is meant to provide a compass or a direction. And there were a couple there that, that literally the business model of these organizations transformed in the shape, in the um, in the duration of these four hours, we're just like having employees who do business modeling every day and do competitive landscaping every day and give these incredible nonprofit executives different ways to think about the same problem. And it just, it turns on a light bulb and makes things easier. So we've had stories, you know, immediately coming out of these events and definitely the longer term consulting engagements where they're together for a little bit longer, mm -hmm. you know, the 
a third of the effort that was required to run these programs has decreased or a 30%, a 40% increase in the number of clientele that folks are able to serve because they figured out exactly how to target their services. And that has immediate and real impact for the individuals that are being served by these organizations. And so while while it's not the thing that when you see online, you're like, oh yes, this is the thing I need to be engaged with right now. it it can have the biggest impact on yeah. individuals' lives. But you know, you guys are talking about something that's so much deeper that like, you know, it's easy on the surface level just to see, oh, we, we have some dollars that we need to raise. But to go deeper and to find out, well, why do we even need those dollars? You know, is it because you're trying to hire a staff that maybe you don't even need? or that you're raising funds for a program that you don't even need, <laughs> you know? So, so what you're yeah. talking about is, yeah, so foundational. It just it digs so much deeper into the conversation, into these deeper, com- you know, just the, the foundational stuff that these organizations do not have uh, these, this skill, you know, sitting next to them at the table. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, a lot of people who talk about, you know, just how, what are we saying to our donor base? What are we saying to uh, corporate level executives? And something really resonated with me recently where somebody as a business person said, I feel like our nonprofits are, are reaching out to us and saying, we have such a brilliant idea and we're making a difference in the world with your money and our smarts, we could change the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. Because we act like all they are are dollar bills. And we right. forget that it's like, well, somebody was really, really smart. Uh, and they figured out how to make that money. Don't you think that we should figure out what they did? <laughs> how, how did they make all that money? You know, so so I love like as you're talking through, you know, just this skills-based volunteerism that it's like you're you're really tapping into something that is more than just their cash. It's the the intelligence behind how they made all their cash. And if you can get that little element into what you're doing, oh my gosh, what a difference it'll make for your charity. And vice versa, right? One of the things that we learned really early on at Common Impact is that not only do these donors and corporate professionals have a lot to give to nonprofit execs, but there's a lot that the nonprofit sector has to teach the private sector and their employees. It's just like the level of resourcefulness and creativity and innovation and community expertise and issue area expertise that comes out of nonprofit executives is incredibly expansive for the corporate employees that are around the table. It gets them out of their day job, their comfort zone, the the way of doing things. You know, one of the things that we hear most because a lot of our programs actually live in HR as experiential learning programs because they just are. <laughs> um, uh, is, you know, needing to solve a problem when you can't throw money at it is an incredibly expanding experience for most people, right? Like, okay, it's not, and it's, it's so often the immediate way to solve and often should be right for big companies to say, okay, well, we have to buy this new million dollar system, or we have to buy X, Y, or Z to streamline our efficiency. And, 
those are the conversations that are happening. But when you get to a nonprofit, you're like, well, we have zero project budget. So we've got to figure out to work with what we've got or gain new excitement and resource for our work in order to solve this problem. And that just, it unlocks different chambers in your brain. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. And that's exactly what I was thinking about as you were talking is that I'm like, it, I, I was talking with a friend of mine who, you know, works in the marketing space and, and he was just like, I have no idea how nonprofits get motivated, like how they motivate people without paying them. <laughs> like that is magic. Right. To me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And it's the hardest thing for executive directors who are in the business space to come over to the, you know, running a nonprofit if they find, you know, like, Hey, they had a dream to, to start up a nonprofit. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh shoot, I can't pay all these people to do this and I have to motivate them in a completely different way. So, um, and I love what you said just as far as that there's so much that our nonprofits can teach our for-profits and so many times we're like, it feels like we're coming with a handout and that's not the case at all. We all have something to offer each other. So I'm curious just to know uh, from your experience, what are you seeing that's working really well as these two come together? Well, when people and partners get what you just said, get that they there's a mutual benefit to coming together and that they're in this together. Whatever the problem is that they're trying to solve, that they are both bringing distinct resources and expertise to the table to move forward uh, and address that problem versus a big company or funder enabling a nonprofit to do that. Uh, So I think that shift in dynamic has happened more and more. Actually, one of our corporate partners was on a panel the other day and talking about the expansion of their work and their strategy. And they said, we don't want to be a program funder. We want to be a problem solver. And to me, that that embodies the things that are going right right now in cross-sector partnerships where there's there's really a partnership and that word can be used truly versus a funding relationship and dynamic. Mm, I love that. Not a program funder, but a problem solver. Oh, that's so good. Because it's so true. Like we, there is a problem in our nonprofits that we are all trying to solve. Like if we knew the answer to it, our nonprofits would not need to be there. So, you know, it's not, money is actually not what our organizations need. Our organizations need a solution to the problem. And it just so happens that it costs money to do the work, uh, to hire the right staff and to have the systems and everything that you've set up. So that's so beautiful. You know, for people who are listening right now who are, you know, one of the major challenges that they do find is how do we find people like the person that you just mentioned, <laughs> you know, how do we find those corporate leaders that are willing to step up and, and to do this mutual relationship back and forth? What would you recommend for them? I think the potential to be that person is in most corporate funders, is in most of the people who choose to be in the foundation or the corporate social responsibility roles at companies, certainly, if not more broadly than that. And it's, it's not up to the nonprofits, but it is uh, 
the nonprofits play a strong role in setting the dynamic and having, we in general in the nonprofit sector have kind of an institutional insecurity <laughs> with funders, right? Like we, we don't own the fact that we are just as capable, just as smart, just as effective, um, just as uh, just as part of resourcing the challenges that we're all trying to solve as anyone else. And that it, it, it behooves the funders and the companies that engage with us to partner with us because we are the folks that are on the front line. And these social issues do not just affect nonprofits. They do not just affect individuals that have been disenfranchised. They affect everyone, our economies, our societies. And so I think just owning a little bit more of that security that, hey, like, I'm actually the community expert here and I want to partner with you in this way because we make good compliments and we can't do it without each other. But um, it's not a, you know, please, please give me money, um, big corporate partner <laughs> and uh, kind of bowing down relationship, which I think, you know, I, I understand it. I run a nonprofit too. I understand what the power dynamics are. They're real. I don't get it right every time, but I think in general, having that security yourself as a nonprofit executive is really important. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that is the conversation that uh, I have often with, with nonprofit executives that, you are an expert in your field and you are watching whatever the, the avenue of your, your organization, whatever market that you're in, you are watching all the dynamics that are happening in that space. And so nobody knows your people better than you. <laughs> and so we do have to step up in that. But, but what I'm hearing you saying too is that uh, those corporate executives, those corporate leaders are in every business in every organization in our communities across the country that if they align themselves as an organization with your you know that they care about the community and they've put dollars out there into the community and said hey we want to make this better that somewhere inside that company somebody's interested in helping more yeah you got it I, you know i think um it, it is and this is similar with skills-based volunteering in general it takes a disruptive perspective or a disruptive moment to unlock that, right? Like yeah. it is very easy to just uh, proceed apace with the systems and the processes and the dynamics that exist in the sector and to say, yes, I'll answer these 85 questions for you funder and they don't make sense or they don't really relate to the program, but I'm not going to question them. You know, whatever that example is, it is very easy to just look down and proceed apace with your work. And there is, a, you know, a, a hard work that comes from the nonprofit sector, you know, the long hours, the, um, the overnights, because everyone's so passion and mission oriented, that yeah. uh, that can happen, right, where we just we put blinders on into what's possible. And the corporate executives are the same way, right? The folks that truly care about community outcomes that are working with a company and know and that ha are, are tied to the financial resources that can make that happen um, probably don't agree with half of the things that are going on, right? In terms of the systems and the processes. But if someone's not saying, hey, can we talk about this? Um, they're not going to talk about it because everyone is so busy. So it takes uh, that disruptive thinking. I've seen it on both the corporate side and on the nonprofit side really effectively. So it's not on one or the other. Um, 
but just in general, as we're doing any sort of social sector work, I think really important to have that lens. Yeah. You know, does this make sense? Yeah. And like you said, just be, have that disruptive mentality, you know, to, to get in there and stir it up a little bit more and ask questions and invite people to serve in ways that maybe they've never gotten an opportunity to serve in before. You know, um, as I talk with organizations and I encourage them to uh, invite, you know, invite these high level executives or just even mid level executives to come volunteer on their team. I was like, they don't get asked to do this very often. And so by you just stepping out a little bit, it's crazy what people, you know, you're giving them an experience that they can't get anywhere else. So just to be bold in right. that, not be afraid of it. So, so as you, um, you know, continue to work in this space, what is it that you, I mean, how, how can somebody really uh, utilize your services? How could somebody partner with you as another organization or a company? How do they work with you as um, with Common Impact? So you can visit our website. We're at commonimpact.org and um, at Common Impact on all social media platforms. And, you know, we work with institutions of every size and sector, meet them where they're at in terms of building a program like this and think about what are the employee development goals, what are the social impact goals, how can we bring that all together to make a program that's going to sustain. And sometimes that's, you know, a, a very small pilot program. Sometimes that's a really robust long-term program and it's a uh, you know not a one-size-fits-all approach because in the way that not every single employee has the same set of expertise or skills or passions or interests um, there's not one program that makes sense for the right company so I would encourage folks to um, nonprofits and companies to take a look at our website and see um, what might help we also for non the nonprofits um, that are listening in particular, we have just launched a um, a website called Capacity Commons that is meant to be kind of a one-stop shop for getting to know skills-based volunteerism and provides educational materials, you know, how do you think about getting these enlightened corporate partners um, on your side? How do you scope projects? How do you manage projects? Who, who from your organization should manage them? Uh, how do you evaluate them, sell them to your board, and continue to integrate pro bono and skills-based as a resource in the way that you pull together a financial budget? How do you pull together your pro bono budget for the year? Um, so that launched and it has launched to a lot of excitement because um, um, skilled volunteer opportunities, particularly with companies, tend to be concentrated in some of the big cities, right, where there's a large corporate presence and companies are deploying their employees. But there are nonprofits everywhere in every city that could use and leverage the support. So our idea with launching Capacity Commons, which is free, open source online, um, is to provide access to some of this talent through that site. Cool. Well, we'll make sure to have a link to all of that in our show notes because, yeah, that is a great resource, especially, like you said, no matter the size of the organization, big or small, that there's an option and an opportunity for you to connect with your corporate leaders in your community. So, so good. So as you are, you know, working in this space, what is it that excites you right now? What, what projects are you working on that gets you really excited in this space? We just launched a a disaster resiliency report. It's called Disaster Response from Relief to Resiliency. And 
site is probably the wrong adjective for me to use when I talk about it, because <laughs> I'm definitely not excited about disaster. No. Um, but one of the things that we um, think a lot about is how do we better direct the, the private sector resources that are going towards social challenges. And disaster response has been an issue where companies have been so engaged and so generous and have been really not always focused on the needs of the organizations and the communities that they're responding to. It's been very, you know, uh, what are the resources in that moment where a wildfire strikes or a hurricane hits or a mass shooting occurs? What are the resources we have to deploy right now to that area versus an understanding of what the needs are? And so we're trying to help companies think about how do you shift some of those resources that maybe aren't being used as effectively at the point of response to resiliency and preparedness so that those organizations, those individuals, those communities are better prepared to weather a quote-unquote disaster when it comes. And uh, it's actually really remarkable. There are about 98, more than 98% of corporate philanthropy related to disaster goes to immediate relief and less than 2% goes to anything related to preparedness and mitigation, even though companies know and are resourcing themselves the the likely event that disasters are going to increase. There's just there's stats on this. Their um, business continuity departments are the fastest growing departments within companies. That they just know that they need themselves to focus on preparedness and mitigation, but they're not translating that to their philanthropy. Um, anyway, so this report is focused on helping them think about that and you know mm-hmm. how to do it, how to approach it, some um, case studies and f- measurement frameworks to make it a really quantitative and qualitative exercise at the same time. So I'm excited about the launch of the report. Yeah, that's great. And well, you guys are just preparing, you know, like giving so many great resources and uh, making it, you know, easy for people to do things a little bit differently, right? (laughs) I mean, look at it in a new way. I love that. That I mean, like, I can't, I did not realize that, that 98% are, yeah, of the funds are going to just really, you know, relief because, but it makes sense because we don't, it, it's the same thing. That's in, what draws our attention. Right. It's kind of, it's the same thing with the, what we work with in, you know, the fundraising space. It's always like an after, you know, like we're scrambling to try and raise the funds when it's a little too late. And it's like, okay, but maybe right. we prepared a little bit, you know, that 2%, you know, that it's like, let's think a little bit further in advance and it'd be amazing, you know, how much could be transformed that way. So I love what you do, and I think it's so great that you are out uh, spreading the message and, and really getting this out in front of people because I, I do think that you know skills-based volunteerism and um, partnering together and bringing our best skills to the table, whether you are a nonprofit executive or you are a corporate executive, how great that marriage can really be together. So on that note, are, uh, do you have any last parting advice uh, for our nonprofit executives who are listening in? As they as they really work towards b- bridging that gap and, and doing more in this space, skills based volunteerism always seems a lot more intimidating than it actually is. And 
please reach out, look at capacitycommons.org, take the first step in thinking about how pro bono and the talent and expertise of the individuals that are either in your network or not yet in your network can do for you because it's an incredible resource and it can be even stronger than cash, than donations if used well. So um, keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, thank you, Danielle. Thank you for being on the show today and uh, really just imparting your wisdom on this because I, I think it's a, a great message. You are definitely a thought leader when it comes to this space. And I love that you're out there sharing the message. So um, we'll make sure to have all those links to reach out to, to Danielle through commonimpact.org and see more about the work that she's doing and her team is doing across the country. So um, on that note, thank you guys. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you soon.